0: Considerable money. Uh, can you hear me? can hear myself. Can you hear me? Can I hear myself? There we go. Man, it's been a little minute. <sighs> no better way to boost your ego than to hear yourself talk. Isn't that <laughs> Right. Isn't, oh, that a, isn't that a truth of the world, Shiv?
1: You know, I tend to wanna not think that, but I think it's true. <laughs> I think it's true.
0: When you first started this cheers, podcast, cheers, cheers. When we first started this, how comfortable well how comfortable were you with your own voice? And you could be honest, 'cause I'll be honest. <coughs>
1: Comfortable while speaking or comfortable listening to it back?
0: Comfortable listening to it back because speaking is never an issue.
1: I wanted to put my head (laughs) through a brick wall. Not anymore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, oh my God.
0: I I always thought, (laughs) I have a funny story for you. I always thought that I never cared. Right. And then there was one time when somebody was playing it out loud in front of a group of people. And do the color immediately just rushed out of my face like I was like so embarrassed to hear myself out loud in front of a group of people because like This is the first time I've ever really heard that um So it was definitely a shock when we started <laughs> but I think I think honestly by episode 10 when we decided to like post them for the world to listen to I stopped really giving a shit. I I I listen to myself back now, and I, I laugh. I think it's funny
1: um I'm glad you've progressed to that stage I would say the early stuff I, it's not that I'm like as I don't want to put my head through a wall put it that way I don't want to go back and listen to it I'll tell you oh, that yeah that's fair but it motivated me to continuously grow and like now when I say now I mean probably like you said mine may have been a little bit later like episode 20 mm-hmm where I was truly comfortable with it and honestly happy with the product. Yeah. You know, and that, that's another part of it too. Yeah. Just being happy with what you put out. You know? I agree. And like, I would, the the thing that I appreciate is I, both of us have gotten better. And like, yeah. if you compare even 80, you know, what is it? 89, 89. Eight, yep. 89 you compare 89 to even 55, you know, there's things in – and I think that's – honestly, dude, that's just, like, reps. I agree. Just reps.
0: Definitely reps. I think the biggest problem for me has always been two things. One, formulating thoughts and being able to speak on them. Like, if you go back to really early podcasts, I always had trouble keeping a story straight arrow without it veering – certain way so like getting to the point finishing it and then expanding on that idea with you that was one of my biggest problems early on i think i've gotten better at that and then the other one was filler words if you listen to the first even 30 maybe episodes Uh, yeah i probably say the words like um and um all the time throughout that first you know the first half the first half stretch of our time doing this. And now it's gotten a lot more clean. And I think even though we, yes, we do a podcast. Yes. We post it out. It's definitely helped me with conversation in general with other people. Cause I've definitely like listening back to the podcast. I've had to realize like these deficiencies that I had in the way I communicated yeah, and work on them and actually fix them in real life. Uh, so this has been huge. Like in that respect as well.
1: I have a funny story about the likes and ums, um, So I, in a former life, did debate, congressional debate, I know, crazy, right? But I enjoyed it, and one of the first times I was, like, in the club, one of the things you have to do if you're new is you have to give a speech on a random topic that gets told to you right before you give it, and you have to do a push-up for every time you say the word like or um, and or you pause. Uh, for an, an on, it it would have to be a bad pause, like you don't know what to say, not an intentional pause. So I did good on talking about Indian ice cream was my topic. Very um, I think was that was a racially motivated question, but I did good. So I only had to do two push-ups, and honestly, at the time, I'm happy that it was a low number. I was not in good shape, but the point being is, I did that for a year before I was like, yeah, I like sports, but, um, (laughs) no, but I, in that year, right. I went to competitions and competed. I competed at the state event my freshman year. It was, it was honestly a pretty cool experience when you look back on it, but that whole process was always being harped on of saying stuff like, like, um, or that in, in that fashion will take your speech from, you were graded out of six, Six was the best. One is the worst. It'll take your speech from a four to a six. So your content, because in, and especially, and you see this in Congress too. Um, Some people get up there and they talk and they have home run stats and their delivery is a home run. And the story they give is a home run. It's a 10 out of 10 speech. Right. But, you could have an 8 out of 10 or in this case a 4 out of 6 speech you know you just but you got it across the certain way and you didn't what those what the what those what i was taught was those are vibe they draw out the vibe of the speech because yeah. people are locked into what you were saying mm-hmm. but those detract from that obviously if you listen to the podcast i say like a lot quite a bit it's a chicago thing too mm-hmm. um but I definitely lost a lot of that. This podcast has brought it back because I'd never cared. Mm. I never thought about it. How many times do you think about if you say like or i in, in your normal day to day? Right. You don't. But it until you intentionally focus on those things, I think you start to fix them. And then it brings up the argument like are people who are naturally good at speaking, have they always been that way? Right. Because mm-hmm. I think that stuff can be trained. And you see, I've seen people who were complete and so quote unquote introverts yeah. become really good public speakers because they just trained. Mm. But
0: very true. I was watching a video on TikTok the other day that spurred the topic of this conversation. And he said that using like and um and make you lose credibility mm. and the one thing i noticed too is he said that if you look at people like even in uh our presidential races and candidates that we've had over the years president obama being the specific one mm-hmm. if you listen to president obama talk when he was just a state representative and when he first started in 08 versus how he sounded in his second term you it was night and day difference he would there used to be a lot of drawn out pauses in his speech that were actually made fun of a lot on shows like SNL and all these like Mm -hmm. skit shows. And he ended up correcting them by the time he was, you know, in his second term as president. So that was super cool to see. And that's a live example of like someone who's improved on their speech in a short period of time.
1: So even before that, it was like, that was the, that, that was what was circulated at the time as someone to model yourself over. Also, he was the current, uh, or he wasn't the president anymore or uh, no he was probably definitely the end. president yeah he was definitely end. the president at the time um but we would listen to his speeches in two thousand and four and his speeches in two thousand and eight, but particularly his speeches when he was in his like Senate days mm-hmm. Obama was regarded as like one of the best speakers uh of our time really uh the way like the so normally they tell you not to point, right? Because if you point, it's too aggressive. But if you don't do anything with your hands, you're too static. You're robotic. So Obama invented the the fist where so he has his yeah, he points with his thumb, yeah. but it's locked in on his fist. So all he's doing is just a quick little fist bump. Yeah. And it's but it's the best it's ingenious because it's it's the point but it's not the point Mm -hmm. so it i i agree and like honestly dude like looking and even listening to a lot of mlk speeches because you know aside from the i have a dream speech which was great the guy was able to captivate an entire room Mm. right i mean pastor right yeah so it comes with the territory but at the same time, that ability is just incredible to me. It is. And you see it in, like you said, presidential candidates, their speeches are buttoned up. And if it's not, it gets buttoned up. Trump aside.
0: Very true. Uh, Vivek is very good at doing that. Yeah. Um, that's one of the presidential candidates we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, but he has a very good way of um,
1: speech delivery. Speech, yeah. yeah,
0: speech delivery. It's really, really good. I uh, When I went to the Aspire tour, I actually don't think we've talked about this on the oh, podcast. we haven't. We should. We um, should. There was five total speeches, one from Kevin O'Leary, one from Robert Herkovich, one from Theo Epstein, one from Natasha Graziano, and one from Tim Story. All five of those people are super legit in their own right. Tim Story and Natasha Graziano are more life coach, motivational speaker type people. Theo Epstein was the general manager of the Boston Red Sox, as well as the Chicago Cubs when they recently won in 2016. Robert Herkovich and Kevin O'Leary are both... uh, Shark Tank personalities and also big time investors in their own right. Right. Um, all of them had a very commanding stage presence in completely different ways. Kevin O'Leary uh didn't sit throughout his entire thing. He's he was uh standing on the stage, but he walked around a lot. So he's one of those guys who can walk to a certain side and kind of embrace one side of the audience and then deliver his points. His PowerPoint slides were very like precise and concise they were like three or four bullets but he was really expanding on the idea of the three or four bullets he was really really good in his own way and then robert herkovich comes on and he kind of gives a more emotional story he kind of encompasses like how it was growing up being yugoslavian and the uh type of bullying he dealt with when he was in canada and when he sold his first company and it was it was very he drew the crowd in by bringing emotion and then. Tim Story and Natasha Graziano being life coaches and motivational speakers were very much the pastor like mm. vibe. Mm. Like who w- like who do you want to be? What is your motivation? You are the greatest. You are the best. Mm. You're right. A- words of affirmation type deal.
1: Yeah.
0: Um like Tony
1: Robbins type
0: Tony Robbins mm. type vibe 100%. And I th- I I liked going to that because it shows you that regardless of your delivery you can still be impactful depending on what type of uh what type of subject uh, what, or what what type of uh, the message, message the message yeah, that, yeah the message that you're conveying so it was very very cool to see like really good speakers go up and uh you know
1: talk about all this type of stuff but so you would you would go again
0: yeah for sure i paid 90 bucks uh which also included a free ticket so I got to bring a partner along. Um, for the amount of information that I got in that full-day experience, because it was a full day, it was 100% worth it. I got to see people that I admire and aspire to be like every single day, mm-hmm. guys like Kevin O'Leary, Robert Herkovich. Um, listening to the story of a guy like Theo Epstein, who is considered one of the greatest general managers of this generation, he started off, he inherited a Boston Red Sox team that had been
1: Known cursed, for f- right? cursed
0: and known for failing for years and years and years. And now when you think of the Boston Red Sox, you think of prosperity and championship, Very successful organization. And yeah. You know, a successful organization that brings in the best players. That was all his doing. And then 10 years into his career with the Red Sox, he decided he needed to switch up, and he thought the only place where I could replicate that same exact success was Chicago. And so he took a franchise that was literally known for being the bottom of the barrel, hadn't won in h- over a hundred years. Also cursed. Also cursed. And he ended up taking them to a title by changing the processes and the systems and the people who were employed by him. And he literally built it from the ground up. Um, one of the cool stories about him that I kind of wanted to harp on to now that we're talking about him is when he first got to Chicago, there was a uh, Chicago Sun-Times article about him and he was the front cover and it was of him walking on Lake Michigan and the title read, our Messiah is here. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes into saying how, you know, how he felt when he first saw that. And, you know, it was a lot of pressure and he was like, wow, like this is the real deal. Like these people have been dying for, you know, a championship and they believe that I'm the one to bring it to them. Sure. And so that first year, the Cubs go like 60 and 108. Yeah. They're horrible. Yeah and so going into um winter talks that next that next year after they went 60 and 108 they the chicago sun times dropped the same exact article except this time it was him in lake michigan neck deep in the water and it said we might need to take a pause on the messiah or something along the lines of that yeah and so he kind of talked about that um being, like, a moment in his life where he had to, like, kind of just ignore the press and ignore kind of the hate he was getting because he knew it was a long-term process. Mm -hmm. And eventually that summer they ended up acquiring Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, all these guys who ended up becoming household names. You know, these were guys who who were all on their farm system. So there was a plan in place. But just the fact that he even had to deal with that kind of adversity in the first year just shows, like, what type of – what type of level these guys are playing at um so it's a super cool story
1: I think that too is just a microcosm for so much like they people will ride with you until they don't see that ship going anywhere and when they get off people get off mm-hmm. uh and it's it is crazy especially with sports figures who make comebacks or uh, honestly his wasn't a comeback it was like you said it to build a successful organization takes many years of quite possibly losing a lot of games until you end up coming up on top. But no, that's that, that's crazy. So I, besides the so those speeches took up the entire day or was there like other workshops and stuff?
0: So for the majority of the day, it would be like motivational speaker, keynote speaker, and then a 15 minute like networking exercise with the people who were sitting around you. My section was it was basically all packed by like 11 a.m. So there was a ton of people to talk to and a lot of um, a lot of like good just basic networking. There was a lot of real estate people there. So that was really dope. Like the guy sitting next to me was um, the director for a Latino and black organization in real estate. So he like helps um, people who are Latino or black, like purchase homes in their community and like build equity and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So met really cool people like him. But. Yeah, there'd be 15-minute stretches where you do these kind of networking things, workshop-type deals, and then they'd bring on another keynote speaker who would talk for anywhere from 30 30 minutes to an hour. Okay. Um, And I think the main goal, it's very entrepreneurial-minded. Yeah. So, like, a lot of what they are talking about is, like, here's how you get business A to, you know, business Z, or here's how you scale your portfolio. Here's how you grow 10x in the next two years type deal. So it's, I wouldn't say it's for people who are working a nine to five, whom that's what they want to do, which is nothing wrong with that, but right. Just a different crowd. Exactly. It's definitely more for people who work jobs, who are entrepreneurial, like-minded or actually own their own business and want to kind of grow that way. Um, but no, for sure. A lot of good nuggets of information
1: in that. No. And that I couldn't make it, but that looks sick. And then I'm glad that it was a good event. And if, they throw it next year. I'll definitely try and make it. And honestly, try and go to more of those in general. Yeah, to I be agree. fair with you, I think I I went to quite a few, whether it was like networking or events of that type in college, and they were all useful. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I was invited or like I had to go for work, they were all pretty much useful. And mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of effort. Yeah, right. You got to take time out of your day. If you work a job, you gotta take time off and stuff. But I think, I think it's worth it, man. Because you're you're at a minimum building your network, and even if everything that they say goes in one year and out the other, you get a couple contact cards that can take you pretty far. Yeah, that makes up for that event and the next five.
0: So. No, hundred percent. The one thing I'll harp on too is, um, I went into the experience thinking it was gonna be very much like, oh, they're just gonna talk about. Shark Tank, or it's it's going to be very like they're not going to yeah they're not going to get into the details of what they actually do, um and Kevin O'Leary was the first keynote speaker and immediately he got into like how he views e-commerce and direct to consumer and why if you own a business that's all you should be doing in this day and age and you was talk
1: about his boy Sam, uh his no boy Sam, <laughs> his boy <laughs> Sam's in the <laughs> news
0: yeah he didn't bring up F- he didn't bring up no S- uh, S- SBF. SBV,
1: yeah, yeah SBF. Um,
0: and F T X and that whole fiasco. Which we could get into and thank God he's he's facing a lot of time. Let's yeah. just say that. Um yeah. But yeah, I mean he got into the nitty-gritty of like how he views the market, what he would do right now if he was a A consumer or B business owner and how he would steer your business that way. So it started off with a really good bang. Um and then, you know, sure they, they also had this like host who comes out and like she was very eh okay. not gonna gonna be like she would come out and she'd be like do you want to be the best? And it was it's very, like, you could tell it was just very scripted. Like, it Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Like there, Natasha Graziano, who you can, anyone who's uh, listening to this right now can look her up on social media. She's a life coach and like, um, you know, uh, motivational speaker. And she has a cool story. And I also thought she was going to come out and kind of be like that nonchalant, poor energy, seems scripted type person. But like at the end, she had everybody singing in that bitch. So, uh, That's she, crazy. Yeah, she, she had like, even all the guys like who were standing around me, like myself were kind of looking around at each other. Like, are we really, we about really to about do to this? do this. Yeah. And like, at the end she had everybody like kind of singing along and singing her praises. And
1: I mean, you don't need, you don't need to read, read, read the whole book, but why is she so like, why is she a motivational, like what was her thing in the past?
0: So from my understanding, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher this at some point, but essentially she had done nothing with her life. She was in her mid 20s. She had a kid. Okay. The kid's father wasn't really around. Um so she was a single mother raising the kid on her own and she was suicidal. Okay. Um and essentially what ended up happening with her was one day she just woke up and decided like she didn't want to be a loser. Uh, that that was that yeah. was the broad I I know I'm butchering that, but no, that's no, okay. that's that's the broad story of what actually happened. And so she, uh, she started like daily with words of affirmation and kind of just like manifesting, which is not a word I like to use. Cause it's very, like, it's very overplayed and it's very, I think it's been,
1: you don't believe uh, in the secret?
0: No, I, I don't. But like that's, she claims that everything that she's gotten up until this point has, has been because of that. And so sh- what ended up happening was she started to like move her way up within the ranks and t- kind of wanted to start teaching people how to take control of their own lives the same way she did sure and she started you know coaching celebrities and stars and now she you know her clientele list is incredible yeah um, yeah but yeah i mean that was that one out of all of them was the one i was probably least receptive to just because of my perception of her sure and what i thought going right. into it but right. I, I did get a lot out of it i think that uh her message is really powerful and while i don't necessarily believe that thinking or dreaming about something's going to make it happen i do think that if you don't think or dream it to begin with you've already failed that you're never going to achieve that goal anyway so she does make a point about that
1: no i mean listen i agree with you man um i have dreamt since i was four years old that i'd play in the nfl that never (laughs) happened yeah yeah right i've dreamt that dream consciously remembering that i've dreamt that dream Mm. for 20 years okay i I, i'm in your camp all right like and and i think that is so dangerous yeah especially if you're like me and you're a dreamer Mm -hmm. i'm a dreamer i like to i see the stars man yeah i see the stars and i think it's dangerous because you get caught dreaming
0: yeah I agree.
1: You're not doing.
0: There needs to be a dose of reality with manifestation, for sure. All, well, maybe not even that. There needs to just be a plan in general. Yeah. Like, like you can't just sit there and tell me you want to play in the NFL and not be working out every single day in a gym right. full of other athletes. Right, and going to camps. And going and to camps and, and not know, partying. And being like, yeah. being one of the best high school players and then being one of the best high college players. Yeah. There. If If all those things are in place and lined up, by all means, tell everybody that you're going to be an NFL player. But right. if you don't have the plan in place to begin with, you're never going to go anywhere, regardless of how you manifest. So that's my problem with
1: it. But mm-hmm. no, I listen. I I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, so that the the movie The Secret came out in like 2006, and like that's the whole hullabaloo about manifesting and the the, the <laughs> power of I forgot what the fuck it's called, but like visualization and stuff and yeah, dude, it, at least for me and my life experience has never gotten me anywhere. Yeah. Um. Maybe people don't dream that much about or think about what they see their life being mm-hmm. in the next few years. I do that all the time. You do that all the time. Yeah. You know, maybe it's for that message is for a different person who doesn't do that. I don't know how you live and don't do that. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. But I agree, dude. It's not until you pick up the phone and start dialing that like
0: <laughs> that things actually move. The things actually, yeah. and
1: you know what? They won't move for a while too. You know, but it. I agree that the the goal should always be like right there. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's, it's such a dangerous trap to get into. I just think it is, especially yeah. too in our age where it's like you hear people like, "If I could just get you know this this," and it's like you're not doing anything to even get the small goal that you have let alone the mm-hmm. turks and Caicos dream yeah. four hour work week that everyone wants yeah you know so
0: i think i have a really good example of this i have a friend who uh wanted to start manifesting more in their life and they verbalized that to me so i was like oh, okay great like do that but their version of manifesting was literally saying like in their head manifest 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 man like to me I think that just defeats the purpose in general. Yeah. One of the things Natasha Graziano harped on was writing things in the past tense. And I actually think that this can be beneficial to some people listening to this. And it's something that I haven't done yet, but I've, I plan on doing this at some point. Kay. Basically, what you should be doing is you should be taking whatever notebook or, you know, notes app, whatever you use to write things down, and you should be writing all your goal- goals in the past tense as if you've already accomplished them. Because what happens psychologically is that when you start to write things in the past tense, your brain naturally, because that's how we think as people, your brain starts to perceive it as if it has happened. It's like telling yourself a lie that you want to become true. And so if you say it so many times over and over and over, and you're writing it down as if it's already happened, there's a, ver- there's a higher percentage chance that it actually happens in real life because you've already professed it out loud. (laughs) That's one of the things she talked about that I had never heard of before that I was like, you know what, maybe I'll give that a try and see if it works. And the thought process behind it makes sense to me. I don't know how you feel about it, but it's something that I would be willing to try before I knocked it.
1: I mean, on its face, I'm not opposed, right? I'm not a psychologist or whatever that would be fall under, but No, I'm not directly opposed. The only thing is, is I've heard a lot, right? Where you want to keep keep the big stuff to yourself till it happens. Yeah. But this is obviously a different nuance. It's past tense, and it is to yourself. Mm That's right. You're not like airing this book out. No, you're not telling people. So it, I think. No, I think it's, I think it's fair, and I think uh, the 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 thing is, is I just that has not been my experience yeah you know but i had it's not i've accomplished all this shit i really haven't but it's not been my experience so far but i think you know like listen man i think part of me sometimes thinks whatever whatever you need Mm -hmm. for you to get you there great yeah like you know i think stuff floats certain things floats in different people's waters and that's just how it goes certain things work certain things don't um my favorite one though is people are like I'm not a morning person. I'm like
0: oh yeah that's such a cop out. I used no to wake
1: one, up I used to wake up at like 11:30 in the morning.
0: No one's a mer- morning person. No one yeah. I don't think anyone truly like I hate that term because I don't think anyone truly wakes up in the morning stretches yawns and goes oh my god what a beautiful what a, day what a great day what a beautiful day i can't wait to i don't think it's anybody not the intro to american does dad does you're telling yeah, me that's yeah, not yeah. how
1: that's supposed to go oh what a wonderful day. day yeah like,
0: I, I don't think that's how it happens man i think you and i know this more or better than anybody it's more so just about dedication and actually waking up and then everything it's that, a habit it's just habit it's a habit that's right
1: all it is. it's like you know my favorite is people are like oh man like must be pretty dedicated wake up at 5 5 30 every day i go no i just wake up like it I doesn't take conscious effort i just oh i'm awake like that's it you know with sure to start going from going to bed at four in the morning and waking up at like 11 to going to bed at 10 p.m and waking up at five six in the morning took a good amount of effort for a little while but that's what you said bro that's what you just said yeah it takes a little bit of effort and then it becomes habit yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it, I completely agree, dude. I completely agree. And the thing is, I wake
0: up at 5.30 most mornings, regardless now anyway, because my body's just on a natural timer. Yes. But the amount of mornings that I still wake up and I'm like, dude, I wish I could sleep another hour. Fuck. I, yeah. they're, they probably outweigh, it's probably a larger percentage than the amount of times I'm like, wow, I'm ready to go. Yeah. For sure. I also agree. It's the same
1: feeling, dude, when you wake up. Half the time it's like, Shit. <laughs> yeah. <but> it's like. <laughs> That's you, everybody. You just know you have to do it. Yeah. Like you just gotta, gotta get up. Gotta get up now. Gotta get up. But uh, yeah,
0: yeah. the People who say they're a morning person, I've always hated that because it to me it just sounds like, yeah, I, I wake up, I smile, I embrace the world, and I attack the day every single morning. And I just don't think. Maybe there is somebody out there. I'm sure. There's some person out there who's a psychopath and does this type of thing. But for most people, I think when you first wake up, your first thought is like, I wish I could sleep another 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, I I guess the order of operations in the statement is wrong. You don't wake up at 5 a.m. because uh, uh, or let's put it this way. You wake up at 5 a.m. because you want to accomplish all this shit. Right. You want to get all this stuff done before you have to do other stuff. Hmm. Right. That's why you wake up at five in the the morning. Mm -hmm. It's not this grandiose like idea. Right. Or Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm just a natural. Some people are right. Oh, yeah. You've always woken up early in the morning. That makes you a natural morning person, Mm -hmm. does it? Like if you never had to if you never had to go to church at six in the morning, would you wake up at six in the morning religiously all the time? Right. If you didn't, if you didn't have this set schedule as a kid, like a lot of that, a lot of this stuff is like nature nurture. Mm -hmm. Right. It goes back to the speaking thing. I believe there are natural public speakers. I believe I'm one of them, but that doesn't mean that you weren't a product of your environment. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think it's all environment induced. And then from there, people blame their, their past environment for not changing.
0: Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. No, I agree with that. I, uh, yeah, man, that, we got, we got deep there real quick. <laughs> we did. No, we did. Yeah. I, uh, to speak on that past environment, not changing. I, th- I think that's just the general cop-out that people use when they don't see
1: motion in their own life. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about, you know, deep trauma. I'm not, we're yeah, avoiding, yeah. we're <laughs> avoiding that, but right. I want to emphasize that we're avoiding that, but yeah. continue.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. That, that's basically all I had to say that I think you and i i think both agree on on how excuses stink and in general how people will use anything that they can to absolve themselves from any of the problems in their life yeah and instead of just taking accountability and coming to terms with the fact that yes not everything in your life you can control but how you react to those things is a hundred percent controllable, and it's only controllable by you. So I, I I really don't. I do have a problem getting along with people who are constantly like making some sort of excuse for why they didn't carry out a certain thing they said they were gonna uh, do. Oh uh, yeah,
1: it's it's cancerous. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Know, then I start making fucking excuses.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Another thing too is like I don't know if you feel the same way, and feel free to you know check me if I'm like in the wrong here, but. I find it hard to even fake being around a person who can't take any accountability as it is in general. Agreed. Or or can't apologize for their actions when they're in the wrong or can't come to terms with the fact that they are not the center of the universe. I
1: can't be myself in a conversation with those people. Yeah. I agree. Because I think I'm going to piss them off. Mm. Truly. Truly. If... And, you know, I I actively seek out from my peers, from my bosses, criticism. Not because I hate myself. I love myself. But that's why I do it. I want to get better. If you tell somebody the smallest thing and they get all butthurt, it's hard. Yeah. Hard to even engage. I completely agree. I I will say you and I,
0: even back in the day, were always – we're very we're very loud with our emotions, I would say, a hundred percent, so we in a lot of ways we'll be the loudest person in the room if we need to be, or we could be the quietest. It just depends on what the scenario calls for, but I think the point of where i'm the point of where I'm going with this is that we would much rather be the loudest person in the room and know that the person across from us is being genuine, yeah than. Us be the loudest loudest person in the room, and know that the person across from us is is faking their entire persona, Agreed. their entire being. Agreed. And so, in situations where we meet new people, or in situations where we have a group of people who are who have been together for a long time, we sniff out very quickly the people who are about the action or not about that action at all. Yeah, hun- um, hundred percent. And that's mpo- that's one of my biggest flaws too is the fact that like there's sometimes bro where like. I don't want to be in a room with a person because I know, like, if I speak to them, it's probably just gonna end up in a situation where I don't want to put myself in.
1: Yeah, or I'm gonna say something that's gonna cause something. Yeah. Like, and I, I agree. It, it, it's part of my problem too. Is like, you know, I don't need to make enemies out of. It's like to me, it's not that I need to make more acquaintances. And just understand, like, all right, they may not be, they don't have the character traits that you desire in a friend. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you need to make them an enemy. Mm. You know, doesn't mean you need to actively put yourself in situations where we're butting heads. And I do that a lot. Right. Mm. Especially with people I don't necessarily like. Yeah. But that's just part of my, you know, I, it's the way I am. Mm. And if I'm not that way it's a problem yeah you know and I I agree with you I'm a very emotions on my sleeve person mm-hmm. that's how it's always run as much as I've the funny part is too especially with people I know right you are in this camp if there's even something small that's off it's easily you can easily tell
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that everywhere is how yeah. that's been, right? So it – That but the, at the end of the day, dude, I think there's – going back to the excuses thing, I think there's making the excuse that you need to – there's making the excuse that your past environment is the reason you can't change. In my cases, I'm accepting of that fact. It's not that I want to change mm. necessarily. You know what I mean? I think those two things are extremely different because one's a victim mentality and one's acceptance. Mm. I don't know if you feel differently.
0: No, yeah. I I feel the exact same way. Yeah. I I think too huh. Where do I? Uh-oh. I don't want Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm I'm being so uh, careful. Uh, no, I I'm trying not to cross a line no, here. No, I and I cuz I could go off on this uh, off on a tangent about this. Yeah. Um yeah. what I will say is that Typically in my life, I've always been around people who are abrasive in their own way. And I'm, I'm saying abrasive in a positive light. They are unapologetically not afraid to be exactly who they are. Whether it's perceived by the common public as a bad or good thing, to me that doesn't matter as long as they're being exactly who they are. And you'll notice a lot of my friends, people that we bring on the podcast, people that I spend a lot of my time with, have these, typically have these qualities where they're either super loud and they're the life of the party or if they're not the life of the party, they bring something really special to the table. But they're real. But they're real. They always keep it real. Yeah. And so I've always had a hard time and it's definitely caused me more problems than it has any solutions, but I've always had a hard time having conversations or being fake with people that I don't feel like are giving me the same energy that I would give them. Um, and so there's been even situations in um in the past year where I've kind of had to I've had to stay take a step back and like become a third party on my own relationship with somebody because I know that if I say or do anything to that person, they're gonna take it in a specific way because
1: they no, and there's used just no that. point. You yeah, you feel like there's no point Ex- exactly agreed
0: agreed. Um, agreed. And yeah, so I tried saying that without getting specific at all, but at the end of the day. I I've always appreciated people who are real and genuine, regardless of how they're perceived or how they want others to perceive them. As long as they're being that real person, I, I I'll probably a hundred percent fuck with you. And
1: you know what? It's you, it's a respect thing. It's a respect thing. You know that person keeps it a hundred. Like you know what I mean? Don't have to be best friends, but mm-hmm. at a minimum, at a minimum, you're above. A majority of the people in i think almost everybody's life because yeah most people are just out here they think they're on they think they're in the next like uh spielberg film mm-hmm. with people in their lives every day agree it makes no sense when you realize nobody actually cares yeah But that very quick sidebar I feel like it's a growing realization like every single day. Yeah. It only gets louder in the room. No, nobody, nobody actually cares.
0: Nobody does give a shit. And I think the second that that's embraced, I mean, everything just flows a lot easier. Uh, when it comes to meeting new people and conversations you have and the boundaries of conversation and where you can actually take things when you really just realize that everybody is living a similar story to yourself. And, um, there is no, th- they're, they're going to th- remember what you told them for a little while, but if they're not really that close with you, it, it'll probably be a fleeting memory by the next day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say on that too is I also enjoy people who can give me constructive criticism and not feel like I'm going to take it in an offensive way. Because I one of the things that I've noticed with the people that I keep around me is that, if I step out of bounds or step out of line, a lot of the times they'll check me on that. Um, and it's important to not have yes men around all the time. Hundred percent. Even though yes men may make you feel better about yourself a lot more often than not, it's very good to have people who you can look dead in the eye and say, All right, man, did I approach this the correct way? You're all right, bro, like did I mess did I say something out of line here? What am I not seeing? Yeah. yeah. Like, you you need to tell me the perspective of – your perspective and then the, percep- the perspective of other people and how they view the things I say or do because that also matters too at the end of the day, right? Like, so not – in no way am I just knocking um, anybody who, like, has an opposing view to mine because I actually like to welcome that in my life, especially from people who, you know, I do uh, – you know, business or I do things with in general or like spend time with. So that's a, I, that's a kind of important note that I wanted to leave out there too.
1: I, and I think a, a lot of that too is a product of different perspectives, mm. but if they had those same traits, we'll get along. Yeah. We'll get along. We don't have to, I mean, sure. Do the majority of the people in my friend group at least have the same views on things? Yeah. But uh, I think it's, I think it, honestly, dude, the more I get older, the more important I think it is to find a diversity of views. And it, yeah. it sounds like so cliche to say that, but it, there's an element of truth that I think only lived experience can provide just because you grow up in a place, you grow up in a family environment. You think things are one way, you're told things are one way, and then that first time that you realize that that's not the case. Yeah. It all just kind of opens, mm-hmm. you know. So no, man, completely agree. I think that was a good, good way to <laughs> good cap to, this one off. Yeah, good way to cap it off. Uh, heavy
0: pod, but I think a lot of good nuggets in here, and uh, we haven't posted in a little while. Been a minute. It's been I think two, couple, two, weeks, weeks, two weeks since, since two. our last podcast drop, yeah. but we got good news for you guys. We have a guest lined up next week, brand new guests, never before seen. Um, they have a bunch of stuff that they want to talk about. And then in a couple weeks after that, we have another really cool guest lined up. So everything's turning around a little bit with uh, guest bookings and things like that. And we'll continue to churn them out. Um, but I always like doing the ones with Shiv and I alone too, because it's usually a podcast where we just talk about the things that are going on in our current lives and stuff we're working on. And Sometimes those are the best ones to have. So appreciate y'all for listening. Episode number 89. Check us out on IG, TikTok at T H E S H E D D Y S H O W. Let us know who you want to see next in the comments. Shiv, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, hit our line. Let's get moving. Let's get busy. Hit the pavement.